Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Meatpacking plants in Cache Valley have been hit hard with COVID-19, with several hundred workers diagnosed with the disease in the past several weeks. Community organizations and individuals are trying to provide needed help to affected families. Some of the workers at the JBS plant in Hiram staged a walkout to protest the company's handling of the coronavirus outbreak. Today we're going to uh, talk with a, a JBS uh, worker, works at the Hiram plant, and her family. Uh, we'll also be talking with Randy Williams, who's vice president of the Cash Refugee and Immigrant uh, Connection. But uh, we start the program with uh, Lizette Viegas, who helped organize a protest event in uh, Logan uh, just a little, a few days ago. Uh, Lizette uh, Viegas, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Uh, so uh, this uh, this is of course hit the news, state and national news. I was reading an, an article in Vox dot uh, com uh, about this, and uh, I guess these outbreaks are happening in meatpacking plants uh, around the the nation. And President Trump has uh, deemed uh, meatpacking uh, plants essential services, uh, essential infrastructure, and uh, so the plants are saying they they can't close. How did you get involved uh, with with this particular uh, event? Well, with this event um, here in Cache Valley, I'm blessed to be a Latino advocate and um, leader. I've been a volunteer for years in the community, so I have their trust and their love, which in the Latino community, trust and love is um, essential for sure. So um, they had planned a early walkout from work um, 5.30 in the morning. They just wanted to be heard. Um, right after that, um, it seemed it didn't go how they wanted or how they felt they wanted it to go. So as I was reading those messages about 6 in the morning, um, I felt a lot of negative energy that they had that I felt that our community needed to be able to put into positive energy. Mm. So I, it was spare of the moment, <laughs> I thought uh, we need to get um, our community united and heard. I feel that they just believed they weren't heard and they didn't have a voice. So those two variables went into my decision where I, I just said, do you guys want to do this? Um, Telemundo, which is a big uh, TV um, channel within the Latino community, is coming to interview me at 10 in the morning. If you guys want visibility, if you guys want to be heard, this would be an amazing time for you guys to do this, um, whatever it is that you guys want to tell the world, JBS, whoever it is, right? So I know the word that we use a lot is protest, but I feel more that we gathered and got them a voice because um, they just felt unheard. So it was a last-minute thing that they decided that they wanted to do. And as a Latino supporter and advocate that I am, I had to support my community and give them that voice that they felt they were they didn't have. Mm. What were the what were the concerns that you were hearing from the, from the workers? <laughs> Um, number one was they just wanted it to be shut down uh, for for a cleanup, per se, uh, for people to get better, for people to um, not come back positive. I mean, just a, a normal shutdown. Um, and as well, the, the minimum pay that they were getting, they were a little frustrated with that, um, were the two, two top things that I heard um, that 
their concern was. That what they were scared the most was just to come back home and get um, their family infected. I'm reading uh, an article from Salt Lake Tribune. One family said they have a son with uh, Down syndrome. They 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 tested negative, but they were worried about bringing it home to to him. And I've seen several stories like that, concerned about bringing it home to the family. Yes, there there that's the big concern. And to give props to JBS, a hundred percent. When this started, I saw the precautions they took. Um, I, like I said, I'm always on top of what's going on with my community. I saw they put up the plexiglass. I saw they were putting, everybody was wearing a mask. They were taking the uh, everybody's temperature at the entrance, um, the social distancing. I mean, I saw the amazing work that they did. Um, so I personally was blown out of Surprise when um, all of this outbreak happened. We were just not ready. That's why it was such a big, the big need. The the community that we've been helping, we've been working 12, 14-hour shifts to try and, and get everything under control. Um, and and we just weren't ready <laughs> because mm-hmm. we, we really thought it really wasn't going to happen because of all of the precautions that they took. Um, so mentally as well, I think the employees weren't ready, the community wasn't ready, um, and again, that is the reason why I chose to to give them a voice, a platform for their mental health, because I saw that uh, frustration that they had. So you feel like JBS uh, took good precautions. Um, obviously, it didn't work, and hundreds of workers uh, infected. Uh, are there other? Are there more precautions you feel like JBS can take to? Uh, to prevent that, and and there are other outbreaks around meatpacking plants around the nation. Uh, it, it looks like um, it, pretty hard to take some precautions in these plants. Right, but we do have to take in consideration it in our valley at the very least. It's not just JBS. I mean, they were a big hit for, for sure. Um, and what's scary to me, um, and with the love that I and the big heart that I have for my community, for my Latino community and Cash Valley in general, for sure, um, it's they took that those amazing amounts of precautions, spent a lot of money and time to do that, and that happened. Um, the only ones that could probably help is the CDC, and the CDC is already here. <laughs> so they're the ones that are going to be able to walk them through better steps or to make what they've already made even better. Um, <clears throat> but we have seen outbreaks in other or in other um, locations here in the Valley, too. I'm lucky to be, like I said, to have the trust in the community, so they do tell me where they're coming positive from. And it really is. It really is a mix. Mm. Uh, a mix of meatpacking plant and and from other sources as well, right? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, just other other. Um, in in our minorities, we don't have the luxury to be able to work through Zoom or through Google uh, Meet um, through you know sitting down in a computer. So our community does have to go out and work. So unfortunately, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. the way it happens. They have to go out, be an essential worker, and then they come back and. And the cohabitation um, within our Latino community then gets affected because then mom works there and then mom works at X plays and the uncle works at Y plays. And so that's how it just it starts spreading so fast. Mm. And it looks like, it, I mean, what I've been reading is uh, minority populations of people of color 
Uh, uh, there's a lot we don't know about COVID-19, right? But it, it's seeming like we're getting some data in that these populations are maybe more vulnerable to COVID-19. Exactly. It's a great point. It brings to what I had just said. We don't have the luxury to be able to to work from home. Um, I've been working, me, myself, personally, I've been working from home for the last almost three and a half months. Unfortunately, our minority don't have that. You know, you can't kill a cow through Zoom or you can't kill a pig through uh, an email. So they do have to go out. And as much precautions as you can take, I mean, it... It only goes so far mm. that then you do you, you come back positive and then you bring it back home. The other issue too is a lot of these um, employees weren't even symptomatic when they got their test back from their um, mandatory testing because they had to take it um, for their employer. They came back positive but had not one clue that they might be infected because they felt just fine. Mm. Um, have there been deaths from COVID-19 in, in the Latino community in, in Cache Valley? Not in, that I'm aware of. Yeah. We do have two people hospitalized mm-hmm. um, that I'm aware of, but not any deaths. Yeah. Um, with what we, the Bear River Health Department, myself, um, and other organizations that just got together when all of this started, our number one um, goal has been to support and inform um, as we inform them how to take care of themselves, we give them the resources to be able to do that. We've gotten masks, we've gotten gels, we've gotten um, disinfectants, um, the social distancing. We take them food to their um, to their doorstep. Um, so we really aren't just trying to throw information to them on how to take care of themselves. We are, are supporting them through it. And we had an amazing event this Saturday where we celebrated uh, Refugee and Immigration Day. We had about 300 cars show up, and the support that the community was able to give and that the community came as well was amazing because you just saw the love back and forth. We gave them a a food box. Um, JBS gave them five pounds of meat. Um, Bear River Health Department gave them masks, Intermountain gave them um, hand sanitizer, CAPSA gave them some hygiene kits, the family place gave them free McDonald's kids' meals. We just all united and supported our community. And if you haven't seen the pictures, you've got to go check it out. It was an amazing event. So Mm. how I say, as hard as this has been for our Latino community, it has been the most beautiful thing that I have seen that Cash Valley has gathered up and supported our community as well. So I get to see the ugly and then the beautiful. Mm. Uh, many of the workers, I uh, think, uh, affected are, are back to work uh, now, right? Um, they are. Uh, what What are you hearing from the community at, at this point? Do they they feel like a crisis is passing? Do they do they feel safe going back to work? What are their feelings? I mean, it, it goes right back to your mental health. You will all they they will always be scared, but they do have. They went back a little bit more at ease with me letting them know that the CDC is there to support them and to walk them through the best that they can to keep them safe. But at the end of the day, I do let them know you are a big, big key for your health. So you do your best because we can't leave our health to 
these big organizations, you know, we got to take care of ourselves the best that we can. As soon as you see something um, that you don't feel that it's safe for you, speak up for yourself, and definitely you don't touch your eyes, wear your masks, you know, wash your hands, try to keep as much distance as you can from the employees. Um, so that's the best um, advice that I can give them, and it helps them a lot because it's just that reassurance that we can do hard things. We have we're we're a great uh, group of people that have amazing resiliency, but we just don't see it. So I got to remind them of that. We are res- we are a resilient community. We can do this, and we're going to get through this, hopefully fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, we reached about the end of our segment here. Uh, anything else you'd like to say? Definitely the number one thing I want to say is thank you, Cash Rally. You have shown an amazing um, heart and love that we can unite and um, help our community. And we really appreciate the concerns from everybody, from every news article that has came out, from every TV um, station that has came out to um, show that love and concern for our minorities. So, like I always say in my interview, it's as easy as being kind. Check up on somebody, let them know how they're, how are you doing, what can I do for you. Um, and that mental health is that number one. Just making sure, are you okay, will do amazing, amazing wonders for our community. We've been talking with Lizette Villegas. She's an advocate for the Latino community in the Cache Valley area. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Um, later in the program, we'll be talking with Randy Williams, who's vice president with Cash Refugee and Immigrant, Immigrant uh, Connection. Following a break, we're going to talk with a uh, worker at the JBS plant in Hiram, get her perspective. And uh, we talked on the same call with her son, or her husband, and her daughter-in-law. We're all uh, uh, gathered, so uh, we'll get a perspective from uh, at least one JBS uh, plant worker following this break. Hanging baskets and planters look beautiful early in the growing season and make an amazing addition to any yard or garden. However, by the time the heat arrives in late June or July, they can struggle and suffer without proper care and eventually find a new home in the compost pile. The secret recipe to keep your hanging baskets and planters looking beautiful all summer long requires only a few simple steps. Fertilize, hydrate, and repeat. Use a water-soluble or liquid fertilizer every three to four days and hydrate the soil completely on a daily basis. Use a soil penetrant or hydrating agent if your baskets dry out too fast. Consistent watering, a regular fertilizer regimen, and your persistence make all the difference in a gorgeous planter or an early addition to the compost heap. Support for The Garden Spot comes from Logan Extermination, serving Cache Valley for over 45 years, offering year-round pest control, lawn, tree, and shrub maintenance. Information at loganextermination.net. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. You've been hearing, of course, about outbreaks of COVID-19 and meatpacking plants around the nation. Uh, Cache Valley was especially hard hit as well. One of the plants, a JBS plant in Hiram, was uh, was hard hit, uh, along with a couple other plants as well. Uh, hundreds of workers diagnosed with the disease in the past several weeks. And uh, some of the workers at the JBS plant in Hiram staged a walkout uh, to protest the company's handling of the outbreak. There was a uh, protest event 
uh, in Logan as well. We talked with Lizette Viegas, who helped to organize that event. Later in the program, we're going to be talking with Randy Williams, who's vice president of Cash Refugee and Immigrant Connection. Uh, But right now, a conversation with a worker at the JBS plant in Hiram. And uh, so we'll hear from her, her uh, son, who will be translating for her. We'll hear briefly from her husband and from her daughter-in-law. And uh, all of these uh, individuals ask that their names not be used, preserve their anonymity. So we'll just refer to them as uh, mother, father, uh, son, and uh, daughter-in-law. So here's my conversation recorded on Monday uh, with this worker and her family. So I guess uh, some of you, several of you, work at uh, JBS or have worked at JBS? Only my mom works there. Your your mom works there. Okay. So I guess before all of this, uh, the the coronavirus came, how did you feel working at JBS? Okay, she says that before the pandemic, uh, they treated her well, but it just really depends depends on the supervisor that you were assigned to. Some supervisors were a lot more, uh, I don't want to call it racist, but they were a little bit more uh, uh, prejudiced towards their workers, and while others want, while others were uh, really great and good to work with. It just depended on the supervisors that she ended up working with. So once once we started hearing about the coronavirus, did you worry? Did you, you know, did you think you might be in danger? She said yes, and er- and everyone at the factory felt the same. They started they started feeling an eerie feeling, like an impending doom. Uh, of course, we you know we're, we're hearing that meatpacking plants uh, uh, around the nation are you know are having problems. Um, so when when coronavirus started, or or when I guess government started uh, taking precautions, did, did JBS take any precautions? Did they did they set up anything to protect the workers? No, not She says they did start, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't fast. It didn't implement any safety features until uh, it started becoming more of a serious threat. JBS handed out a mask to their workers, but they only handed out one mask for every worker, and they had to make it last a week. So masks, I guess, were there any other safety measures? They started implementing more social distancing, uh, such as their breaks and how the lunchroom worked. And also, uh, they gave them a face shield uh, along with other protective gear like gloves. And every time they had to clock in for, uh, even before entering the factory, they started implementing a temperature check. But uh, you're saying that you feel that these were, were late that the, they 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 put them in too late. Yeah, she feels like it was way overdue. And my understanding, in a meatpacking plant, you're the processing line. You're standing fairly close, uh, so social distancing on the line would be difficult, would it? 
is she says you can't do it. It's nearly impossible to social distance yourself while working in the line. To meet their production standards, their JBS has to employ a lot of people, and it's again she agrees that it's nearly impossible to uh, follow social distancing uh, rules. No, and uh, at a certain point, people started getting sick. Did they? Did you hear about this, or did started having friends who got got sick, or did you get sick earlier? What happened there? So about two months ago, the first two cases were reported at JBS, and the way they let their workers know was they uh, gather not all of them in a big meeting, but uh, just small group meetings and let each group know that they had their first two confirmed cases. I understand that at one point their... Um the, the company brought in, many employees were tested. Was that routine? And I guess out of that, many employees tested positive. Uh-huh. So there was only one time that uh, JBS mandated a test for all their workers, and it was for two days where uh, nurses came in and they just did the test for all the workers. It was for a Saturday and a Tuesday. What did JBS say? If you tested positive, what were you supposed to do? So she got tested on a Saturday, and and uh, she uh, it took her about eight days to get the results. When she, um, but four days later, she started receiving texts from JBS, even before her test results came in, that she uh, should go back to work. While she didn't get, she didn't have her results in yet. And she uh, said, no, she, she was going to stay home until she got her results. Did she think she'd lose her job if she didn't, didn't go back? No, 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 porque ellos dijeron. She uh, she wasn't worried about losing her job because uh, Bear River told her that she needed to stay home until her results came back, and JBS said uh, basically didn't do anything after that. They uh, uh, left her on red per se, but she wasn't worried about losing her job because basically Bear River told her that. She needed to stay quarantined until she knew her results, so she wasn't worried about losing her job. What were the results? Did she test positive? Yes, she was positive. Yeah. Did, did you, uh, you tested positive? How, how So you, you had COVID. What, how, how was it? Was it a bad case, mild case? Uh, she says that uh, her case, wasn't so severe. Uh, she, uh, uh, to lack of a better word, she handled it well. But what was bigger impacted was uh, my dad. So uh, your wife tests positive for uh, COVID. Um, that that must have been worrying to you. Did feel bad about it. 
especially since he is a diabetic and he he has had medical procedures done to him before. Uh, so he was already feeling bad that uh, he had a good chance of catching it and also his other symptoms. Uh, he tested positive. Uh, the symptoms were uh, pretty strong for him. Especially, um, I imagine he was worried because of the diabetes and other things. Mm. He says that, he, yeah, he was worried about it. His pressure, his blood pressure was constantly high. And um, as me being around the house, too, it, uh, I got to constantly hear him coughing. He's still recovering from the cough. It's just a symptom that uh, he's trying to get uh, done with. So you're, I don't know if you live there. You're around a lot, I imagine. You do, what, what were your feelings when your parents tested positive? Well, me and my wife both live uh, here with them. Ah, yeah. And um, once me and my wife uh, started seeing that I uh, tested positive, and so did my mom, um, we started feeling symptoms ourselves. And uh, up within a day or two of feeling symptoms, we both went to get tested, too. The, did you test positive? Uh, we didn't test positive. We tested okay. negative, even though we lived in the house. But what we're thinking happened is uh, we might have got tested uh, a little bit too early. You feel like you, you maybe had the symptoms of COVID? Um, I, for me, it was pretty mild. I probably felt crummy for about two or three days. Uh, my wife can tell you, her case, she felt really bad. Yeah, so I had, I think, probably a moderate case. I had a difficulty breathing for a couple of days. I had a cough, um, and then I lost my sense of smell and my taste, and that was gone for about a week. Um, and the symptoms like coughing and congestion in my head lasted about a week prior to me losing my sense of taste and smell. So do you think you maybe had COVID, just wasn't uh, caught in the, in the testing? Yeah, I think, so we started having symptoms um, on a Sunday night, and then on Monday night, we got tested. So I think maybe if we had waited a couple of more days, we might have had a greater chance of seeing that um, virus RNA in the test. Um, I think maybe there just wasn't a big enough sample or something, because we definitely both had, I want to say, textbook symptoms of the virus. Are you all, all, all you guys recovered now? Um, and we've all been cleared by the Bear River Health Department. Um, like, we don't need to be quarantining in our house anymore, but we're still practicing social distancing. I mean, um, even though there's, I think, almost no chance that we can pass it, we still wear our masks and um, are trying to stay as socially distant as possible. Uh, so are you back to work? Today's or eight days uh, being back at work. Oh, being back at work, yeah. Um, so in the meantime, when you were out, uh, were you getting any type of, uh, I don't know, disability or any income? Was it uh, was it difficult financially when you were not working? She was still getting paid from JBS. But rather than the 10 hours that they usually do every day, she was only getting paid eight hours daily at her uh, full rate. 
So we're paying her, but at a lower rate. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I hear that some in the community, uh, you know, so among the JBS workers, um, w- w- did have a hard time, uh, you know, qu- quite a hard time financially. And uh, so some of the community were trying to, uh, you know, trying to trying to help out. Did you you heard heard about that, or I guess you you guys seem to be okay financially? Pues la comunidad de, de nosotros nos vinieron a dejar comida. Um, the only we never she's I'm assuming she's never heard any of JBS employers getting together and helping each other, but the best help we got was from Cash Valley Food Bank. As soon as uh, the the uh, we tested positive or they tested positive, they called us. They asked how many were in our household, if we have any allergies, and so on. And within the day, they came back and they dropped of us. They dropped us off a care package. I understand that uh, the, some JBS workers uh, staged a walkout, uh, the, the protesting that they shouldn't. Uh, they felt like maybe they were being rushed back to work or weren't weren't being treated uh, properly. Did you hear about that? Uh, she did see that on the news. She saw it on her phone that uh, uh, there was a walkout happening. Uh, and she supports the walkout. Uh, she wishes that she could be a part of it, but she was quarantined at the time of uh, the stage walkout. She, she felt, she feels that JBS didn't, needed to be closed more than those two days. They needed to be at least 10 to 15 days closed for uh, everything to be strained out. Uh, so as she understands the reasons for the walkout, that, that was it, that they, the, the, the people that did the walkout felt that the plant should have been closed longer? It was that too, and to send out the message that JBS needed to take better precautions earlier on than uh, how they approached it later on. And also because they wouldn't let the people that uh, were at high risk or that uh, were showing slight symptoms but not enough to send them home they they were put, they they didn't let them go home without uh points or punishment per se and every and they felt every one of the workers who did the walkout felt like they should have gone home whether uh they were fearing for their safety or they were showing no symptoms or not um they shouldn't not be held accountable for their uh for not for not showing up to their shift of course, JBS uh, points out that uh, President Trump declared meatpacking industry uh, an essential service, and uh, the, they say because of that they could not close. What, what is what does she think about that? Mal porque no tiene que ser. Sí, mal. Nos sentimos porque él dio la orden de que no se tenían que cerrar las factorías de carne. Entonces uno se sintió mal. Yo por lo menos me sentí mal porque, como quien dice que no importa la. She felt like she was disposable that after those statements, that their health, that their well-being didn't matter, that profit came first. And 
long, she was saying that it, it just felt terrible on her and she felt disposable. So, um, back to work now, what, do you feel, do you feel safe? Do you feel like there are, you know, precautions in place to keep you safe? No, I say well. You feel well. She says no, nothing's changed. No, uh, they've kept the same precautions that they started uh, from uh, uh, from later on. There's no social distancing. The line is still uh, doesn't show any signs of uh, six feet apart or anything that the CDC recommends. It's it's just the same. So, anything that you'd like to say about this whole whole experience? Um, for my my understanding is. I felt really disappointed at Cache County Con- Council for uh, all of them moving on to making us a, a green, right? From yellow to green now. And even after a huge spike, and I think seven out of the eight councilmen voted to move to green. And to me, that was really disappointing. The only councilman who uh, voted no was or hiring representative who is who is around JBS the most, while everyone else voted uh, yes. And to me, that felt like they were kicking us while we're down. They didn't really care about or help. And as I, as I read on some articles that were posted, it was on the reason why they wanted to move to green was a lot of uh, economic reasons, mental health reasons, and so on. And But one of the comments I found it was really inappropriate where... Uh, uh, Councilman Gina Werther uh, said that um, it's only a 1% mortality rate. And to me, that felt disgusting because my uh, my dad could have passed away. I've had friends who have been put on ventilators who their parents have also been put on ventilators. And she it feels like she's mocking us, saying that, oh, you'll it's a 1% mortality rate. You can just walk it off. Well, 1% is it's a really big number within itself. You shouldn't demean 1% as this small number is actually a big number. And those, those, are, my, those, those are my two cents. It's, it's horrible watching my dad and my mom recover from it. It was even more horrible seeing my wife uh, recover from it. Uh, I'm just lucky enough that it, w- it was a mild case for me. We're blessed to be surrounded by a lot of support from our family. We're financially well off to uh, be good during this time, but... That's a privilege that a lot of people don't have. Uh, I don't know if my wife wants to wants to say anything or yeah. anybody else. They both wish to see more uh, safety implementations of JBS. They uh, they feel like they all those cases that popped up should have taught them a lesson, but. Uh, Nothing. Nothing new has been implemented. They only get two pairs of gloves for their shift, and she wishes that she got more pairs of gloves too, more uh, safety equipment to be uh, available to the workers. Even the ones that once they have it, once they hand it out to to every uh, factory worker, they hide them away and lock them away from the rest of the workers. It's not uh, easily accessible for the workers. Uh, and 
she just wanted to make a quick comment real quick is that on the wing that was showing a lot of symptoms or a lot of cases popping up, uh, that wing of uh, JBS is starting to uh, calm down. But uh, there's a different wing of JBS where there's a, another spike uh, coming up right now, where they even work closer, about less than 12 inches apart. And there, there's starting to be a problem that we think with, with COVID? Yeah, she sees that she's hearing from uh, her co-workers that there's more and more people showing symptoms than going home and going to get tested. It's in, it's in a different wing, uh, JBS, though. Um, something that she, he, she, she just wants to go on record about is that the water available to the JBS workers, uh, a majority of them feel like it's causing them a stomachache. And they, they're not allowed to bring their own water in. So JBS provides, is this water bottles or is it drinking fountains or what, yes, what yes, kind yes. of water? Uh, it's it's uh, for drinking fountains and uh, apparently she says that they're supposed to be filtered, but uh, there's a majority of the workers that feel like it's causing them to get stomach aches. And again, she says that JBS doesn't allow uh, outside drinks. All right. Well, well. Uh, thank you so much to the to the four of you. Appreciate it very much. Thank okay. You. Okay. Good. Good luck to everybody. Yes. Bye bye. Okay. Bye now. There's my interview with a, uh, a worker at the JBS plant in Hiram, and her family. And they asked uh, that we leave names out to preserve anonymity. Uh, our thanks to them. That was recorded on Monday. Uh, just before we go to break, and we're going to, after break, talk with Randy Williams, who's vice president of uh, Cash Refugee and Immigrant uh, Connections. Um, want to get a statement or uh, selections from an email from a, a JBS spokeswoman uh, to get a little bit of their perspective. Uh, this is from an email that uh, Nikki Richardson, JBS spokeswoman, wrote to the Salt Lake Tribune for their story on June 9th. Um, Nikki Richardson says that employees, uh, JBS employees, are being screened for coronavirus symptoms, have been issued personal protective equipment, that JBS is following all federal health and workplace safety guidelines. And Richardson says, including uh, providing extra spacing for employees and taking extra steps to sanitize the plant. If employees test positive for COVID-19, they receive short-term disability pay and benefits while they're out of work, uh, she says. Employees sent home because they're in a vulnerable population group are receiving full pay and benefits. It's according to the JBS spokeswoman. No one is forced to come to work, she says. No one is punished for being absent for health reasons. If any team member is fearful of coming to work, they can call the company and inform us and they'll receive unpaid leave. That's according to JBS spokeswoman Nikki Richardson in an email to the Salt Lake Tribune for their story on uh, June 9th. We'll take a break and come back uh, following this. This is Kate Salinas, the staff assistant at UPR. We're grateful for the support of our members, especially during this strange time. We want to do our best to support you and local businesses as we head into this new version of normal. Be sure to check out our website for the latest COVID-19 news, business announcements, and community events information. That's all on our website, upr.org. 
If you'd like us to feature your changed or canceled event information online, send me an email at uprcommunityevents at gmail.com. Hey, I'm Jad Abumrad on the next Radio Lab. Well, it's certainly hard to say. Are you sure? I don't know. Um, um, I mean, yeah, well... Uh, we've got stories from that surprisingly razor-thin line between certainty... No, I, it's, I, and doubt. It, well, uh, I... I don't know. You know... But I think... Tune in for Lab Saturday at noon here on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. Meatpacking plants, as you know, in Cache Valley have been hit hard with COVID-19, as indeed meatpacking plants across the nation. Several hundred workers diagnosed with the disease in the past several weeks uh, in the uh, Cache Valley area. And uh, we have heard earlier in the program from Lizette Viegas, who is an advocate for the Latino community in Cache Valley. We heard from a worker at the JBS plant in Hiram and her family. And now we bring in Randy Williams, who's vice president of uh, CRIC, Cache Refugee and Immigrant uh, Connections. Uh, Randy Williams, welcome to the program. Thanks, Tom. Um, so uh, I think uh, Crick has been involved uh, here, but is providing services. How, how has Crick been involved? Yeah, we've been involved. Um, started the weekend when things started to um, be pretty problematic, and um, folks were starting to get um, the results. Took quite a while to get the results, as you heard earlier in the program. And the weekend of the fifth and seventh, um, Crick and other partners, including um, St. Thomas Aquinas Church and um, Church of God in Hiram, and us, Crick, and a lot of really incredible community um, supporters got into action to start bringing in the, the needed items to help people stay in quarantine. And that's one of the things that I think we all in Cache Valley need to really be appreciative and recognize that the folks that did get positive um, COVID-19 diagnoses with the virus. They did stay home. And so Crick and uh, these other organizations began to bring in food boxes. We were on the ground with our clients at Crick, the Cash Refugee and Immigrant Connection, and these other groups that have deep connections, as that mentioned, with the communities. And we um, know our clients and our parishioners. So we began um, bringing food in. And also Crick spearheaded a hygiene health kit Drive, and we've been working with lots of partners to get those um, supplies, including thermometers and um, face masks and um, fever-reducing meds and sanitizing supplies and um, um, the like to help folks stay home, be safe. So the, uh, I guess in many cases, at least some cases, the entire family's quarantined. Is that why you need outside help to, to help bring things in? Exactly, right. And as was mentioned earlier, we're doing that through contactless delivery, and that continues right now. Um, we have served many families. Our last estimate um, is over 500 people have been affected, and we have served so many of them to bring in the supplies, as I mentioned. Um, it's pretty incredible. Um, three churches um, were the hubs. In Hiram, the Church of God with Father Francisco and Marisol. And then in Logan, we worked out of the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Temple Boulevard Church. That was Crick's 
hub, and we worked with um, the Spanish branch there, Relief Society President Jenny Wilmore, and um, a credible volunteer that came to us, um, Liz Springborn, and then our board and staff, and um, then over at St. Thomas Aquinas. So those three hubs have worked in concert. And I think it's really interesting and beautiful how um, the quote-unquote unofficial helpers really are on the ground and so can get motivated and activated um, really quickly. And now we are also working with the official helpers, you know, working with Bragg and working with um, folks at the um, food pantry, Matt Whitaker, working in concert to help make um, the needs mad of those that are getting back to work, those that are still in quarantine, and helping in the ways that we can to help those that are helping us. Um, has there been financial need? I heard there was a, yeah. an effort to for crowdfunding, uh, for, for yeah, one example. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Tom. Yeah, um, we have some benevolence funds that are just getting going, or working through um, the application process and, and getting that just off the ground. So St. Thomas has a benevolence fund, Crick has a benevolence fund, uh, as well as the Church of God, and then a small but really important group of community folks um, with, uh, as you say, a crowd um, fund source that um, Janice Bottinger and Crescentio Lopez Gonzalez is um, managing, and we are working in tandem. That's one of the cool things about this whole pretty terrible event is that people have come together to work in tandem. So we, all the food sites that are um, delivering, we're working together to make sure everyone is covered. Um, People are taking from all these sites the the health and um, hygiene kits that Crick is working with partners to put together. And now we're working together, these four sites, to work on these benevolence funds. Because one of the things that I should mention, that... um, Folks who are home from quarantine or folks that are, you know, ill, they are, yes, they are getting some salary, but it's a really reduced salary. So come July, there's going to be a lot of um, difficulties with expenses. So I think any of us out there listening or myself, if all of a sudden a big chunk of my monthly income was decreased, that would be difficult to pay rent, to pay mortgages, to pay utilities and so forth. We are working to, you know, continue the food deliveries, but these other needs are there. And so we are working to meet, to meet those needs. So as we, as your understanding, as many of these families, as we heard from the, the worker we talked to, that she was, uh, during quarantine, she was receiving pay, uh, but it wasn't as much as she normally would, would make. Is that what you're talking about? Correct. And as, you know, so depending on the time of quarantine, and also um, she did mention it was really um, a lot of hours. There was some increased salaries during a period of time, and then um, that's been decreased. There is potentially a little bit of a, a raise happening, but not at the level that they previously were getting. And so there is going to be um, a month or two of income deficiency for folks. And, you know, I think Lizette said it beautifully. It's not just JBS, right? It's, it's you know, the circumstances, a perfect storm arises. And I really appreciated what um, the JBS worker mentioned, you know, the, the circumstances of um, close proximity and um, 
all of us recognize this is a pretty devastating um, pandemic. The virus is, you know, devastating many, many people. And the very most vulnerable population has taken a big hit. And I, I agree with Lizette. The community has risen to the occasion to help um, our brothers and sisters in need to um, bring in so they can stay in. Mm. I wonder, I'd like to get your perspective. Uh, you, you, you work and interact with the immigrant population. Uh, Lizette, uh, earlier in the program, said that what one of the big concerns from the, from the JBS workers in this case was they felt like they they didn't have a voice. Yeah, I agree with, um, with Lizette. We um, were also at the, um, the rally, the pizza rally that took place, and that's what we heard as well. Um, that took place on the 9th of um, June on a Tuesday morning. And, yeah, we heard that as well. Um, folks talking about, um, you know, needing a little bit more time, paid time to, to recuperate. Um, they did not receive in a very timely manner their um, COVID test results and concerned about safety and cleaning at the plant. And I know some of these things are definitely being addressed, especially with the CDC. And I, and I know JBS has been concerned about these as well. But there's been a lot of stress associated with waiting, getting a positive COVID-19 um, diagnosis, and then, you know, worrying about communicating with JBS. And so a lot of stress and we recognize that the trust levels um, that sometimes are broken. And I think Lizette set up beautifully. You know, she works, um, dedic- she's a dedicated community organizer and worker and um, building up levels of trust. And that's one of the things we do at the Cash Refugee and Immigrant Connection, as well as, as the churches I've mentioned, working to build and keep trust and help folks um, react in ways that help us all stay safe. And I think with these unofficial helpers as Crick, you know, we're a 501c3 and we're talking about some churches and community volunteers, we're um, on the ground because we've got years of experience um, interacting and um, partnering with the um, refugee and immigrant community, the, the new Americans, if you will. And one of the things Crick does really well is help new Americans navigate the systems, and that's one of the things we've been working to do during this um, outbreak in Cache Valley. Just uh, about a minute left. Uh, uh, if people want to help, I assume the need continues. Uh, how, how, how best to help? Is there? You mentioned several organizations. Is there? Could they contact Crick and you could direct yes, them? Yes, if they would, yeah, please. If they would like to... You know, they can shoot us an email or they can um, go online to any of the social medias, St. Thomas Aquinas Church, the Church of God, or the Cash Refugee and Immigrant Connection, uh, CRIC. Um, and then also there's a GoFundMe uh, that Janice Buttinger and Crescencio are working towards. And really all of that information is on the CRIC website. Folks can get that um, and also on our all of our, our Facebook pages and social media. And we are just would be um, really grateful for, at this point, cash donations that would help um, bolster up our benevolence funds 
We do, as I said, have around 500 families that have been affected by this. So if you times that by four, just that, you know, some families are much larger than four, that's a thousand people, house, you know, people in, in this valley and about 500 households that, um, actually that would be 2,000, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, who would be, you know, in need of just a little bit of assistance. People are getting back to work, but again, there's that gap in um, salary coming June 1st or July 1st. But that's one way people can get involved, and I do want to say thank you to all the many, many people who have donated food, thermometers, masks. We've had folks in quilt guilds. We've had folks from Micron. We've had LDS Stakes and the Catholic Church and um, folks at Church of God donating food, and just throughout the entire valley, people stepping up to to help. We've had volunteers collecting um, the lunches from the school districts and delivering them to families. Just so many beautiful acts of kind service, and so many great, amazing families staying in quarantine in well, a beautiful relationship. Well, the, yeah, our thanks to everyone who's who's uh, doing this uh, this uh, good and necessary work, and uh, uh, thanks for joining us, Randy Williams, uh, Crick Vice President. Thanks. Thanks, Tom. And our thanks to all of our guests uh, today. And the, the need does continue, and uh, Crick is one place uh, to go, and you can find other groups to support as well. Uh, there to to help out. Our thanks uh, f- to you for listening as well today to Access Utah. A statewide service of Utah State University's College of Humanities and Social Sciences. This is KUSR Logan, KUSUFM Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, Moab, KUST Price, KCEU, and streaming online at upr.org.